This podcast has been prepared for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for specific advice. You should consult your own advisors before taking any action. Welcome to the How David Beats Goliath podcast. Your host, Michael J. Swanson, is the author of the book, How David Beats Goliath, and CEO and chairman of the board of directors of Advocate Capital. And now, here's Michael. Joining me today in the studio is Jeff East. Jeff, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Hey, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Really, thanks for having really, me. Really appreciate it. It's great being on the same team now. We get to yes. help the same people. Um, you know, you've been working with our clients um, across the country. Yeah, it's been it's been a good uh, early ride, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, fantastic. So I bet you're one of the few plaintiff-friendly uh, 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 advisors out there. Or at least you you know what the Seventh Amendment I is. Did, and right you, to a jury. Yeah, yes. the jury trial. So. Um, so I think uh, that we're uniquely uh, positioned to help plaintiff lawyers uh, manage uh, large aspects of their businesses. But I'll, today we're going to talk about retirement, some retirement sure. overview. And um, so thanks for being here for that. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. Uh, so five things to know about retirement planning. As I mentioned, I'm Mike Swanson. I'm the CEO of Advocate Capital. And uh, Advocate Capital is a purveyor of the Avatrack Case Expense Funding Service, along with many other financial services now. Um, I also wrote a book called How David Beats Goliath, and it's the only finance training book ever published for plaintiff lawyers. If you'd like a copy, just message me. I'm happy to send a copy out to you. Um, this is Jeff so, East, and Jeff is a certified financial planner. Um, and um, Jeff is also, uh, you, you have ser several licenses you've passed. The series, series six, 63, 65, and the series seven. Series seven. I don't yes. know what all those mean, but I just know you're very, you're very qualified. So, <laughs> yes. So that's Thank a good you. thing. Great. Well, let's get started. Today's uh, retirement planning uh, overview. Uh, first, you wanted to talk about SEP IRAs. Yes. So before you do, what is what does SEP mean? SEP. It's Simplified Employee Pension Plan. Okay. Yep. And it is a type of IRA. But it's, so it's not a 401k. It's not a 401k. It's more geared towards the small practice, small firms mm -hmm. uh, type of arrangement um, and can be uh, very low cost compared to a traditional 401k. Right. Yeah. So this could be, um, I guess, a benefit that plaintiff lawyers could provide for their employees, Correct. Uh, but also a way for them to effectively save um, for retirement, right? What are the parameters <clears throat> of how a SEP works? Yeah. So. Uh, a uh, sole proprietorship or a small company would, would set one up and they're mm -hmm. very easy to set up. And then the uh, employer would decide how eligibility is going to work in the plan. And then once uh, employees are eligible, they can, you know, have contributions put to their SEP IRA and okay. then the employer can put into their own SEP IRA. Uh, one of the main things of a SEP IRA is, is the amount of funds you can put in per year. Okay. So in 2020, you can put in $57,000 for the year. Wow, that's $57,000 for one year. For one year. And then we're still in the window until tax day on April 15th mm -hmm. that you can make uh, contributions for 2019. So we still do have a couple months here mm -hmm. to make 2019 contributions if that's appropriate. All right, so you can essentially put away up to $57,000 and that's tax deferred, right? Yeah, so that would go into a tax deferred SEP IRA. Wow. Um, and there are some eligibility requirements for mm -hmm. employees, and uh, it's it's the lesser of 25% of their total compensation mm -hmm. or $57,000. So 
typically I'll work with the employer's CPA and the three of us will come up with what's the right number yeah. for a contribution. Right. So even if you're a little bit later in life, you can make up ground pretty quickly at $57,000 exactly a year right. ta tax deferred. Yes. Great. And do you set uh, SEPs up for people? Yes. So okay. it's a couple documents and then uh, all of the plan participants would have individual accounts. Okay. Um, but yes, that's something we can set up very easily and, and have those documents on file. Sounds like it might be ideal for a sole proprietor or someone with just a couple of employees. Correct. Yeah, yeah. any more than that, we would start looking at, at 401ks and things like that. But okay. for the smaller firms and practices, yeah. uh, a SEP IRA could make sense. And pretty low cost to set it up. They are. Yeah, great. So, um, so if someone's wondering if they're on that cusp, they should just maybe give you a call. Yes, and say, we'd be happy to talk to them and, and we'll talk through pros and cons of mm -hmm. each individual retirement plan yeah. and, and what makes the most yeah, sense. But wow, if you're a sole proprietor, I mean, um, you could put away a lot of a lot of cash uh, pretty quickly on that. Good. Okay, great. Uh, let's talk about something you, you um, mentioned, which is a, a savings rate and a withdrawal rate. So yes. first, the savings rate. What, what, what's, what do you mean by savings rate? It's a question I get a lot from clients and prospects mm -hmm. is how much should I be saving? Okay. And, and there's not a clear-cut answer because every situation is different. But mm -hmm. if I can get clients north of 10% on the mm -hmm. savings rate and get them closer to 20%, savings each mm -hmm. year we're in a good position mm -hmm. now goals and life events can change that but you know mm -hmm. getting into double digits is what i call it mm -hmm. is is a great first step yeah <laughs> we can certainly kind of walk through and, and where they're mm -hmm. putting funds and where they're saving uh is and if we're not close to that 10 percent mm -hmm. or 12 percent <clears throat> we can certainly work on a plan to get them there so as you know a lot of our clients well all of our clients really are contingent fee lawyers and so that income's coming in ups yeah. and downs and ups and downs and yeah. so uh, I'm sure you'd be able to work with, with them to set up some kind of program. Correct. So a certain percent would go right to the savings. That's right. So we call that lumpy compensation. Sometimes right. it can come in lumps. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we work with those clients to make sure when, when money comes in, how much are we earmarking for retirement and other savings vehicles? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, boy, it's tough to save. It's one of the best uh, advice I ever give plaintiff lawyers is to build net worth outside the law firm. Pay yourself and build net worth outside the law Correct. firm. So, so often we've seen firms that come to us and want to be a client. And they can't because they've not built up any net worth. And that's why we love um, having you on our team yep. uh, to help lawyers. Maybe if they're not ready for yep. us yet uh, as a client, uh, maybe you can help them move move in that direction. And Correct. having that um, uh, emergency fund, I guess you'd call it, built mm -hmm. up, it's just a whole different world uh, psychologically <clears throat> when you finally get to that three to six months worth of cash. And right. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the first bucket that we'll fix is make sure we have the emergency fund yeah. and then it'll be retirement savings. Yeah, Jeff, I can't tell you how many lawyers I've, I've talked to that think their emergency fund is their line of credit uh, or is is a bunch of credit cards. You know? Right. So they, they have a down month, they dig a, deep, a deeper hole by borrowing money. Yep. And um, I try to tell them, you know, that is not an emergency fund. That, that is not it. That, that is not money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So let's talk about, about the reverse of that when you start taking it out. Uh, how much can I uh, can someone withdraw at retirement? How do they know how much yeah, to take out? You can withdraw as much as you want. But oh. when we do financial planning for clients, typically we come up with a withdrawal rate that ranges between 3 and 5% of investable assets. So okay. we're working with clients every day about life events and things that are going to happen in retirement because mm -hmm. those first years of retirement, you know, clients are going to want to travel and do other things. Sure. And so they might have a higher withdrawal rate than, than the average. But as long as we're in the in the ballpark there and, and we're inside what the financial plan says and we mm -hmm. feel good about, um, it's great. But typically, three to five percent can be a good rule of thumb. 
interesting. So, mm -hmm. so you budget that so that you're growing the assets to keep up with that. Correct. Hopefully. So yeah, if we're if we're doing three to five percent, hopefully just dividends and interest, and we're not touching the principal, mm -hmm. is Ideally. the perfect world. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, okay, and then um, can people make changes along the way? Absolutely, because because life happens. Right. And you know, if they want to go on a big trip or help out a an aging parent or a or a kid or their children, they can certainly do that. So you know. The, I always say the financial plan is very fluid and life happens and mm -hmm. the market changes. And so we have to be able to adapt and, and go with that. Very good. Uh, all right. Let's talk about something that can be complicated, social security <laughs> analysis. Um, what kind of things do you do for clients regarding so, social security benefits? So when we start looking at social security for clients, we'll run three, four, five different scenarios on, on when to take it. How do we want to take it? Mm -hmm. Are both spouses working? You know, what are the ramifications mm -hmm. there? And and just show the pros and cons of taking it at age 62 or waiting to age 70 or mm -hmm. somewhere in between. How does that impact um, their cash flow? Uh, and how does it impact their financial plan? Right. But, so you, you start taking it out earlier, you get less, right? Correct. And you get less every month for as long as you live. That's right. So if you wait longer. Yeah, so there's a tipping point there where okay. it makes sense to wait versus take it early, and I'll be happy to walk through that with individual clients. Great. I'm sure some people have questions about, is Social Security taxable? It can be. Okay. And that is a very complex uh, discussion and topic point. Yeah. Um, and we can work through with that with individual clients. So if they have certain questions about, is their social security going to be taxable? I'll be happy to kind of walk through that individually with them Great. because it can be is the mm -hmm. answer. And, and I can get kind of more in the weeds on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause every, every uh, situation is different. Okay. You were telling me recently about the 8,000 day increments that right. you've, you've coach people to think about yes. uh, in terms of their life. I'm a football guy. I mean, I played football, love football. Yeah. Um, so we kind of break it into four quarters. Um, and, and the last quarter is obviously retirement, but typically the first quarter is birth to college. Okay. Then we, we move into the second quarter of, of college to mid-40s, kind of as we're figuring out what we want to do in life and yeah. starting careers. Uh, then we have, you know, mid-40s to retirement, whether that's 62, 65, 70, that's another 8,000 days. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last 8,000 days are, are retirement and, and making sure we get the the most out of those days as well. Right. So how do you approach these different quarters? Um, when do you start preparing for retirement? Second quarter, Second which would quarter. be college to mid forties, because the money you can put in mm -hmm. as an early 20 something is just going to make your financial plan look that much better. Now, when you're in your mid forties, maybe you're making better money than you made when you were in your twenties yeah, and, and can catch up. Right. But um, that money that's been in there working for you for 20 years is going to look a lot better than just starting when you're at 40, so we yeah. say. The earlier you start, you start the better. Just time value money. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, okay, let's talk about those retirement years a little bit. What, what's important there? So in those retirement years, I break it down to even four more phases okay. because retirement is not what it used to be where you mm -hmm. work all your life and retire and then you only have a few years. In the front porch, yeah, right? we just have longevity now in yeah. modern medicine. We're living longer. Right, so if, if we're retiring, call it age you know, 62 or 65, there's 20 years there of, of life that you know most expect to live so we break that down to four individual stages and and the first one is the honeymoon which is just retired excited most yeah. people know what they want to do on day one of retirement sure 
most people don't know what they want to do on day 1001 in retirement. Okay. So, you know, we kind of walk through that and they're still active, still want to do things, still mm -hmm. want to travel. So we always say that everything's changed, but nothing's changed because mm -hmm. while they're not working and going to work every day, they're still busy visiting folks and socializing and traveling. So their schedules are busy mm -hmm. um, and they still have the funds and the means to do it, but they're just not working anymore. So that's kind of the honeymoon. And, and that's when I see a lot of clients spending more money traveling and doing other things is, is in sure. that honeymoon phase. Well, the good health permits it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. Good health is temporary, right? It is. We just don't know, you know, when that's going to strike. Yeah. Tracy and I are hoping to get to Italy in May. There you go. We, we can hang in there, sure. Lord, Lord willing. So, um, but I'm not retired. <laughs> so you call the next phase the big decision. What's big, the big decision, decision is, is okay, work life is in the rear view mirror. I mean, you're in the new normal of retirement. And now it's where are we going to live? Um, okay. Are we going to stay here and maybe get a place in a warmer climate? Are we going to leave our hometown and just go there full time, mm -hmm. downsize and get a second home, move close to kids and grandkids? So all those issues come up in this phase. Mm -hmm. And 37% of retirees will move in retirement. 30, wow, 37% so will move. It's a big life event yeah. that we need to plan for. Um, and so it's just part of that you know, where are they going to go? Or are they going to divide their time? Uh, things like that. Because health is usually pretty still is good. And so they're just wanting to maybe, you know, get to a warmer where, client. For Where's the final resting, uh, well, destination, right. resting place. That's right. <laughs> well, that's part of it too, I guess. It is. It's <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. Yeah. And then the next phase is just managing or navigating the longevity. Hmm. Um, what do you mean by that? It's just, you know, getting to doctor's appointments and medication and things like that can be a full-time job yeah. as health starts to decline. Oh, yeah. So getting from place to place and getting to doctor's appointments and things like that, you're not as active as you were maybe in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's a new chapter of life. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the main pieces of that is making sure the legal documents, your, your power mm -hmm. of attorneys and your health care proxies and things like that are taken care of because this is when we see that it really takes takes hold because we're having conversations about assisted living and and home health care and things like that so just managing that and, and making sure that these illnesses or chronic issues are are maintained and you know we're, we're leading our new normal life yeah it's easier to plan for that when you're still healthy that's correct yeah when yeah you, and when you're thinking straight uh and lastly the solo journey solo journey um, obviously, math says the women live longer than men. Um, and typically, at this stage, is when we see adult kids squabble mm -hmm. on how to take care of mom or dad. Um, and so it's, again, important to have those documentation readily available mm -hmm. so everybody knows what the plan is and we mm -hmm. can just follow the documents. Um, but, you know, right now, 69% of seniors are women living alone. So wow. it, the women are living by themselves and taking mm -hmm. care of mom is is critical. Mm -hmm. And so is that in assisted living? Is that moving in with the child? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, and so we just need to plan for, you know, that last phase of life. Yeah. I really like what you do uh, in uh, on the, all of you on the wealth management team in that um, some people think wealth management or, or retirement planning is just, OK, set up a 401k, let it ride. Yeah. Now you're retired. See ya. But you're helping people think through when you do retire. Here are the different phases of retirement, correct? Which I've been learning about from you. So I yeah. think it's interesting how you take folks, not just for, through the wealth building, but then how you're going to live and what where you're going to live. And, right. Uh, and I mean, as a certified like financial planner, 
I enjoy the planning process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the asset management and portfolio mm-hmm. construction and all that, but I also enjoy the planning process because without a plan, it's, it's just a bet. And so yeah. we got to have that plan in place and follow it to make sure that we're on track to do what we want to do and then make sure we hit the, the phases of, of retirement that we yeah. want to do. So important. So thanks Very for much. the work that you do uh, for our clients Thank because you. it helps them serve their clients better. You know, that's our mission to help yep. an ever-increasing number of plaintiff lawyers get even better results for their clients. And a lot of that has to do now, a holistic approach to their finance and, and all these kinds of things to help them live a better life and serve their clients better. So I think this is important. And having the right plan in place uh, will allow you to not worry so much yep. and know that you can focus on your practice. So that's good. Do you have to make a SEP contribution every year? Like what if you're having a, a soft year? Great question. Yep. You do not. It is all up to the discretion of the employer. So they can make a contribution one year and not the next. It is fully on the discretion of the employer. Okay. Yeah. So if, and our clients have income that goes up and down. So if yep. they're having those down years, they're not forced to make that. They do not. Because uh, they probably wonder, well, how am I going to make that contribution if I have an off year? Yep. So that happens. Okay. What else? What is considered full, full retirement age? Typically, it's around age 66, whether it's 66 in two months, whether it's 66 in four months, a good round number is 66, and it will show on your Social Security assumptions that you might get or projections every year when you get closer to Social Security age, it will have your full retirement age on there. But typically in our financial planning, we'll take your date of birth and it will tell us when your full retirement age based on Social Security is. But for ballpark, 66. Okay, great. When do I have to, when do I have to start taking uh, Social Security? The earliest you can take it is 62, and then you're at your full benefit at age 70. Okay. So anywhere in between there, you can you can turn on Social Security. Is Social is Social Security taxable? That is a, a gr- another great question, and it it can be. Okay. Um, there's a there's a formula that we use, and and the IRS uses to make sure and see what the benefit and how much of the benefit is taxable. So again, I think that's going to be a one-on-one type offline question to where we can work through kind of what what's your other income coming in right. to determine if that Social Security benefit is going to be taxable. Okay. But the short answer is it can be. Right. And do you, do you charge the doc somebody if they just want to give you a call? We do not. No, that initial conversation will be happy to get on the phone. We've, we've had several conversations here in the last couple of days. So <clears throat> get on the phone and just chat through some of their questions and concerns and, and work through that. Right. So if you're an advocate client, uh, why not call Jeff um, or, or contact Jeff through the website and, uh, and ask some questions? Uh, that's why we're here to help you um, get better results for your clients. So just to back up real quick, uh, Jeff's on our website, advocatecapital.com. Click on Strategic Solutions. Pull down, you'll see his name there. You can call our 800 number to reach him. Um, you can email me at mswansonadvocatecapital.com. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. For listening to this episode of the How David Beats Goliath podcast. If you have any questions or recommendations, send Mike an email at mike at howdavidbeatsgoliath.com.